In this episode, we focus on Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11 through 18. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this season, Tim Dunn and Joey Willis walk through the book of Ecclesiastes, verse by verse, discussing what is being revealed about the nature of God, our world, and our most adequate response to it. Grab your Bible, some note-taking supplies, and pull up the BibleSays.com commentary on Ecclesiastes as we take a deep dive into the deep truths of Ecclesiastes. Rich with humility and hope, uncertainty and purpose, mystery and faith, this book is sure to challenge your perspective on what it means to live life well. 11 and 12. I again saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, and the battle is not to the warriors. And neither is bread to the wise, nor wealth to the discerning, nor favor to men of ability. For time and chance overtake them all. Moreover, man does not know his time. Like a fish caught in a treacherous net and birds trapped in a snare, so the sons of men are ensnared at an evil time when it suddenly falls on them. You'll see this man does not know his time often at funerals because that's what it's talking about here is you don't know when you're going to die. Now, is that a feature or a bug? Do you wish you knew when you were going to die? Are you grateful that you don't know when you're going to die? I'm incredibly grateful I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's I think that's all of us. Uh, there's a few people that God told them you're going to die. And that's really fascinating because that's rare, but it put them in a mindset. You know, you, you said you wanted to die for me and you're going to do it, but John here, he's going to live a long time. I mean, he basically told them that. And so you can see in their behavior, their mindset of, okay, uh, I'm going to die. It was a very warrior kind mm -hmm. of a mindset. And, and, you know, the warriors go into battle and sometimes they go into a to a situation where they said, this is probably it for me. But the orientation is, well, then I really need to make my last moments count, right? And what he's saying here is really, uh, you don't know your time, but when the previous section he said, so make, it could be the next minute, so make every minute count. Yeah, perhaps the parameters of time make it such that death is the only certain outcome for all of us. And what he's saying here, this, this is the most direct language we have so far in Ecclesiastes that you can't control outcomes. Mm -hmm. All of these, all of these things are like, look, the race isn't to the swift. Like these are just very direct ways of saying, you, you don't, don't, you don't know how this outcomes. is going to end. And the one outcome that's certain death, you don't know when it's coming. <laughs> yeah. So that's not even controllable. So all mm -hmm. of these outcome focused existences are madness and they're going to drive you crazy. You, you can be the fastest guy in the world for a while. There's always another one, yeah. <laughs> you can be the strongest warrior for a while, but eventually somebody's going to take you up. You, 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 can't, you, can't, you can't stay in a circumstance indefinitely, but you are going to die, and you don't know when. And it's evil. You know, let's, let's, let's call it what it is, too. We were not created to die. Death was a consequence of a choice. And so it's evil. 
I, I don't, I don't want to decay. I don't want to die. Uh, it's, a, it's a reality. I want to finish, but I don't want to die. And so that's, that's just the way things are. But it is what it is. Well, we, as human beings, we tend to focus on the negative. And Kylie and I talk pretty often about why, why is that? Why do we just, like, why do we watch the news and really, like, the, the ratings go up when there's, like, something really crazy or terrible rather than just this, like, good news stories, which isn't always the case. But generally speaking, we're drawn to the negative. And I think part of it is we take the, the good, the way things should be, a little bit for granted. There's mm-hmm. a part of us just like, oh, yeah, that's right. But so then when things... Be. Yeah, but then when things are bad, we're like, wait, this is wrong. This is just, and it, it's a burden. And remember that Ecclesi- Solomon has said this in Ecclesiastes. God's placed this burden on mankind. He said eternity in our hearts, this sort of awareness that this isn't how things should be. Right. But here we are, and this is how, how things are. So how do we, how do we therefore live with, within that reality? Time and chance. So this is interesting because the Bible says time and chance there's a New Testament passage that said he by chance came upon so-and-so. So the Bible teaches that God controls all things, and it teaches that people make real choices and chance happens. Okay, so here's your another paradox. Here's another thing. Well, how can both those things be true? Well, from our perspective, they can't be. But we're looking from this very, very limited perspective. Ecclesiastes has made this very clear. Our perspective is extremely limited. Uh, And from God's perspective, it makes perfect sense. You know, every philosophy has a founding principle of some kind. Every philosophy's founding premise is a paradox. (laughs) Every every rational founding premise is contradictory (laughs) if it's based on human reason and experience, which is what Ecclesiastes is about. Christianity, Judaism... Uh, by nature is not a contradiction because the paradox is a person and that person is infinite. So, for example, um, uh, there, there's a, a, a philosophy of relativism. Everything is relative is the founding principle of that. Well, that unravels very quickly. You just have to ask one question. Is that always true, that everything's relative? Well, if the answer is yes, then that's an absolute statement, not a relative statement. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself unwound the whole philosophy. It's a contradiction, a paradox that's actually a contradiction. If it's not true, then it's not true. It's not true of philosophy, so it unravels that way too. And every philosophy, if you go to its root, it'll be that way. Mm -hmm. And the, the founding premise of Judaism in the Old Testament, which turned into Christianity, uh, that's the, but it's a, you know, the root of Christianity, the olive tree is, is, Jude, is uh, Judaism, the nation of Israel. And uh, the difference is just before and after the Messiah actually came. The, um, the, root, the root of it is in the beginning God. Well, that's a paradox because you have a beginning and something that was before the beginning. But it's not a contradiction because it's an eternal being. So there's a, there's a, there's a place for faith. Well, you, you can take that whole thing and say, well, from that we, we can see that it's expected. We're not going to understand everything. So God is in control of all things, and there's chance, okay? Uh, and that's, a, that's another opportunity to hold things attention and with faith. 
Yeah, we we live in New York, and we we even go to a, a church and work at a school where there there are are people participants in those communities that aren't really even Christian. They're you know they're they're skeptical. They're not mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And so a lot of a lot of times we talk about talking to non Christians, and we want to have an answer for something like uh, dinosaurs or whatever it is, right? Some of these uh, things that are contradiction like that would be described by a non-believer as 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 contradictions Mm -hmm. and i think one of the things ecclesiastes is after here is like you 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 don't describe these paradoxes uh maybe reframing them as paradoxes would be very helpful in the least but at the end of the day our job is it's hevel we when we try to grab a particular argument about dinosaurs uh, that can be interesting and fun, and I know Tim, you and I are investigated. We like like yeah. get into that stuff. Yeah, I but have, it, I have a model for how dinosaurs fit in. Right, but at the end of the day, that's not the foundation. That's not the basis. That's not the the hope. It's just, we don't actually know. Yeah, we don't actually know. It's, we weren't there. There's theories, right? And, theories. and and you'll use this language. You're like, I have this theory about mm-hmm. the enneagram or whatever it is. Right. And, and so we have these ideas, but ultimately, life is a mystery, and we trust mm-hmm. that God is is the is the king of it all. And that's what Ecclesiastes is pulling us into. 13 through 16. Also this I came to see as wisdom under the sun, and it impressed me. There was a small city with a few men in it, and a great king came to it, surrounded it, and constructed large siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength. But the wisdom of the poor man is despised, and his words are not heeded. The words of the wise heard in quietness are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. I love that. Uh, I love that he kind of takes a step back and does this little story, you know, a little short story, a little parable about what he just talked about, which time and chance kind of hitting this city mm-hmm. in this in this situation. Um, but I also, I really love the way that it concludes uh, the idea of the words of the wise heard in quietness are better than the shouting of a ruler of fools. If there are any like King students who are out there listening to this, uh, pay, pay special attention here. There are times when I'm talking to Tim that I will, I will quote or reference something that one of our students has said that has really taught me something about God. I don't like explain that to Tim. I don't trumpet it. I, 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 I sometimes, to be honest, don't even know that I'm doing it, right? You've impacted me, and I, it changes the way that I communicate. That, those, that, that quietness is this kind of undercurrent of effectiveness and impact in the world, and we underrate that. We want, to, uh, we want to be, things to be shouted. We think the only thing that's valuable is the thing that has a million views and so it becomes pass-fail, right? I'm either uh, famous for this or it didn't matter at all. And there's so much that we do that, that iron sharpens iron. We just kind of rub off on each other. Sometimes I give students advice and they'll leave thinking, ooh, Joey gave me some good advice. It's literally just something Kylie has told me when I'm struggling with something similar or something that Kylie has told me in our conversations before. And she might never get the credit for it. They might never understand it. And the student 10 years from now might think that same thing, but not remember that it came from a conversation with me in my office, right? So we, 
these quiet words of the wise seep into us and affect us and change our lives and, and matter much more than those viral moments that we tend to celebrate and hang our hat on. Well, and this, he's telling us something about the way <clears throat> the world works here. So the poor man delivered the city by his wisdom, but somebody else jumped up and took all the credit. The ruler, probably, <laughs> I would guess. So th- this is this is what happens. You know, the 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 people. There are people who their core competency is taking credit for other people's deeds, and they. They tend to be politicians. They they might be the politicians at work, or the politicians in the club, or the politicians on what wherever. But um, that doesn't. I mean that that's just the way it is. But you know, wisdom's still better. Wisdom's still the best way. And in this particular case, this poor wise man wasn't uh, financially poor. I, I presume. Uh, he wasn't remembered. Nobody remembered his name. But Solomon noticed the city was still saved. And ultimately, all things come to light, the Scripture says. What's the story that Jesus says about about the woman? For as long as people talk about me, her story will be shared as part of that testimony. Uh, it's the when she washed the hair, isn't it? When the, she washed the feet with her hair. Oh, yes. I think that I believe that's right. Yeah, the same idea. This woman's like with her hair, mm-hmm. and it's the scene that seems very strange to us, washing Jesus's feet. And it was like, why, why, why are we doing that? We're wasting perfume. Where this is a meaningless, small, quiet thing. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, nope. This is what, this is what the power of testifying to the kingdom of God is made of, mm-hmm. these moments. And a lot of times I think we think, I certainly think, all right, I got a big thing coming up in a year or something big like our, our uh, struggle with infertility. If Once I get there, that is, will be my impact moment. That will be my chance to decide how I'm going to steward this life. Mm-hmm. And it's actually the really small things. It's how I, I talk to Kylie in the next moment when we take a break from uh, these these episodes. It, it's how my attitude as we're driving uh, through the city today. Those are the things that make up the real lifeblood of of my character, of my sense of who I am. And this passage and the, and and the chapter kind of ends on a down note. But one sinner destroys much good. And this is the nature of of evil. Sin, sin is just um, it's a proper desire done the wrong way. So we, we desire we desire good outcomes, so we're going to control other people to get it. Or um, we, we desire righteousness, so we make our own and then subject everybody else uh, to it and we create our own uh, world. So it, when, when, when evil happens, it, it destroys a lot of good. And, and this is just kind of unfortunately the way things are. It takes a lot of time and money to build a house, not very long to burn it down. Mm. So, um, you know, a little bit of leaven, Jesus said, destroys the whole the whole uh, loaf. So, leaven is a is a yeast, and you just if you put a little in, everything rises, and if you put a lot in, it it runs it right. So that's just the way it is. If and and you can have a lot of good stuff going on, and if you have one. One one little cancer, it can grow into something that metastasizes and ruins the whole community, which is why the moment of truth is so important. Mm. And if you are somebody that's the uh, that is a steward of a group, 
uh, you you want to there's there's a time to confront and there's a time to hive off and and expel because otherwise it can destroy the whole team. And I mentioned earlier about how we just rub up against each other and leave our elements of goodness on each other. That happens with sin as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we work we work at the college and and I might have a hundred conversations, so really celebrating like what God is doing on campus. But then you might get one person that kind of comes through and says, um, but all of that is really not, not as, not good or not as good as it could be or what, or whatever it is. Uh, or they could come across and say like, um, well, our community doesn't actually mean those things they're doing. They're just doing things. And that can start to spread like a cancer, that narrative mm-hmm. and can start to undermine what God really is doing, the, the events that really are proclaiming who he is. We're going through Acts in our church, and um, you, you see this, like Paul will go somewhere, he'll start explaining the scriptures to people, they believe, someone gets jealous, and that uses the phrase, they poisoned their minds or they stirred them up. Mm-hmm. So a few people create a mob, and the mob goes and, and uh, runs them out of town or stones them or something. And this is just the sad reality. My, you know, um, I've done a little, uh, some work in a criminal justice reform and, um, you know, trying to, trying to bring a restorative justice, bring our, our system as close as we can to the biblical sort of restorative justice orientation. And one of the things I've learned is that in, uh, in places where you have a, a significant violence, it's usually just a few people. If they trace it back, there's usually a few people from which it all emanates. Yeah, it's interesting. We've discovered that at our church and at the school and different places we're at, where you start to hear everyone saying this. It's like, Mm -hmm. or everyone is thinking this. And it's like, well, it's actually just a small number of people that are very vocal uh, that make it feel as though everyone in the church has this one negative perception. It's like, that's, I wonder if we like really, uh, you know, surveyed the church if if we would find that, that that wasn't as true as we think it is. And that's then that's why that's why you have things like elders mm-hmm. that, that are supposed to step in and and protect everybody else when that sort of thing happens. But on that on that somber note, we can end nine and head to ten. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowbloons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowbloons.net. Thanks for listening.